I'm Mike Vardy. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Hey 
Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I have Tony Stubblebine on the show with me this week. Of course, this is Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist and Productivity Strategist. And Tony Stubblebine is the, uh, he's kind of the man behind, the founder of Coach.me. It used to be called Lyft, not the car company, but uh, L-I-F-T, now it's called Coach.me. And we talk a lot about, you know, working with teams, coaching, how to develop, uh, leadership skills. There's a lot of stuff that we've jammed into this episode. And if you are listening uh, to this episode, then you may want to know that you can get an even more enhanced version, which has even more information, if you become a Patreon supporter. Uh, I'll talk more about that after the interview, but let's just dive right in because there's lots of good stuff to get to. Here I am with Tony Stubblebine just having a great conversation about you know, the, the impact of coaching and the impact of different systems that can help you know people do even better than they already are here on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. I've got Tony Stubblebine with me here. He is. Uh, he's the. Would you? Is it fair to say you're the man behind Coach Me at this yeah, point? I mean, it is true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we could have a whole discussion about just sort of the complicated uh, process of putting a company together and the ups and downs. But you know, at this point, I am the founder of Coach Me. I'm the CEO. And uh, I, it's hard. It's hard to say exactly how big the company is. I could say we're four staffers. I could say we're six staffers. I could say we're two hundred people. Uh, I mean, we certainly we pay that many people in a given month. So uh, it's a, a lot of ways to describe it. But I am the 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 public face of it these days. Now, the last time we spoke was on the Workflowing podcast, and that was when Coach Me was not Coach Me yet. In yeah. fact, I remember when I was heading down to, oddly enough, it's it's been about a year because I was going down to the World Domination Summit, which has just passed as we're recording this, and I was, or no, I was going to San Francisco, I was going to San Francisco, and you'd, and we were talking, I think it was somewhere around that time, when did when did the change name change happen, then I can pinpoint it January better. 1st, we changed the name, but we were talking about NBA basketball, probably. Yeah, we were, and you and you'd mentioned that the name change was happening, and go check it out. And I'm like, oh, this is so. Why the why the shift? Why? Because Lyft was, I mean, in my and I'll be, you know, I'm gonna kind of give the Cliff's Notes version of it. Was basically like, uh, you know, a ha- habit tracking, uh, crowd crowdfunded habit tracking for the or or not. I mean, you had a lot of. The I, I, would, there. I call it community, like a. Uh, um, community-supported goal tracking. Right. And, or, and uh, it was huge. I mean, we had a community of uh, you know, millions of people. We we're having a major impact in people's lives. Uh, but then you have to go back to the business of it. We were... Uh, um, and so goal tracking on its own had sort of two problems. One, it was only able to exist through the funding of venture capitalists. And at some point, you know, we have to turn it into a business. I mean... I'm doing this because I love it and I don't want it to go away and the only way to guarantee that I get to work on this product this you know this problem of you know bringing kind of training everyone in the world who wants it on elite performance and human potential and like what can they do to make their lives better that's what I think my life's work is but in order to make it happen it has to be a business at some day so that was uh, that was one of the drivers uh, the other driver was just a desire to go a lot deeper with people that when you're when you're building a goal tracker and a lot of those goals are kind of habit based you know, we we would get a lot of feed, you know, we get kind of two types of feedback one feedback was uh, hey you know thank you so much i just had my best dentist appointment ever because i built the habit of flossing and i was like okay thank you good for you i'm glad that you're flossing now although you know i don't want to 
make you sad, but I've actually heard the research on flossing is a little bit inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Like actually, oral health researchers are a little bit on the fence about the value of flossing um, for yourself. So it's not that big of an accomplishment. And then we get these other people that would give us some epic story, like you know, I uh, like I lost ten pounds, you know, following a low carb diet, and now I'm studying China, you know. Uh, Vietnamese and Italian because I'm getting ready to travel the world for a year. Right. Right. And like that end of the spectrum was the end of the spectrum that I loved. Like I loved hearing those stories and I just felt like goal tracking was not enough for the really big accomplishments in life. And, and, you know, as we were trying to figure out what to do, it was obvious that we're, you know, we shouldn't be a goal tracker. We should be a coaching platform. We have, we had a ton of people inside of our own community that were um, qualified to be coaches, either because they were coaches in real life or because they had this tremendous personal success that they could mentor other people in. Um, and if we did that, we would just we we could do so much more to you know kind of push people to their limits. And so. Uh, uh, and then, of course, it solves every other problem in the business. It turns us into an actual actual business. We have revenue. Revenue gives us ways to grow, and like it just was, everything clicked once we did that. Um, and then, just to make it clear what we were doing, the name change made that a lot easier. It was, uh, you know, we kind of rolled it out as we tend to do. We roll things. We we're always experimenting. We rolled out these experiments, and. Uh, and people just kept saying, oh, this goal tracker now has this added feature, coaching. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's the other way around. The other way around. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, so now the way I describe the company to people is that we have three tiers of coaching. We have um, personal coaching or like uh, individual coaching, where you're self-coaching, where you're coaching yourself, which is free. And that uses the tracking tools and the goal-setting tools that were available in the original Lyft. Community coaching, which is also free, which uses a massive database of uh, questions and answers and props from the community, and that's about you know, using you know, the community helping each other. And then, um, and then uh, professional coaching, where you have a real personal one-on-one coach who is talking to you every day, usually via you know, chat, text messaging, essentially. So it doesn't have to be like this hour-long meeting on your calendar every week. It's more just like that quick check-in, that accountability, that, you know, pushing you to take the next step, that always having access to advice from someone who's been there before. Um, I, just, I find that's amazing. And I know so many hyper-successful people who credit personal coaching as their own secret weapon uh, but then when, you know, like you and I, I mean, I just think about my own life. I never dawned on me that I could have a personal coach, uh, cause I didn't know how to find them. And then if you could find them, they actually, they're normally very expensive, but our personal coaching starts at $15 a week, which is super affordable. If you know anything about the world of coaching, it is, it's really affordable. And one of the things that, that I think a lot of people need to look at and why they, 
I mean, habit tracking takes it to one level, obviously. But the, the, the great thing about coaching is that if you are somebody who, you know, like me, who, who has a, a gr- great affinity to, you know, time management and, and all that stuff, and I'm really good at that, but I suck at exercise for some god-awful reason, um, I, I, getting, like, habit tracking won't necessarily be the thing that pushes me, you know, in that direction. By the way, we're getting renovations still done right now, so that's what you're hearing in the background. No one's getting shot in the background. We're getting what? our bathroom done down the hall, so. That, that's, uh, you're like the, it's like Breaking Bad over there in yeah. the background. But, um, no, it's good. I, I feel like it's better that it's someone else rather than me. We had incredible street construction outside of, of our office for a long time, oh, and it just, like, could be like bombs going out outside of my building. But the thing is, is I mean, there's a good example. Is I mean, I'm, I'm having renovations done because I'm not good at that thing, so I'm going to pay somebody else to yeah. do that thing. And it's kind of like, you know, for me, uh, there's a reason that I, I've used a personal trainer. There's a reason that, you know, I mean, and, and to have access to that at such a, a low price point, but also those who've been there, right? Because, I mean, that's the thing. Now, they've now your coaches have initially come from within Coach.me, right? Is that kind of yeah. how it's played out? So, um I mean, there's this like kind of process of building this marketplace of coaches, and the initial recruits were all um, uh, were all drawn from the community, and uh, so we're right. Actually, probably by the time this podcast launch uh, launches, we'll also have just launched uh, the Coach Me as an open platform that's available to all coaches in the world. And part of that launch is that we've developed our own certification program for digital coaches, you know, based on because which actually doesn't exist anywhere else in the world because digital coaching is not something that's ever existed before. Mm-hmm. There's face-to-face coaching, and that's well known, and there's a ton of certifying bodies for that. But no one actually knows how to do digital coaching, and the reason I'm so confident in saying that is because I threw a thousand coaches from our community into one platform and watched who did better than everyone else. And it turned out that pre-existing certification was a predictor of poor performance. Like this was so shocking to me. The professional coaches almost always failed to match the success rates of the um, sort of super um, successful you know, peer mentors. Like, you know, essentially I could take an amateur and have them coach something that they had personal success in, and that person often would be three times more successful than the, based on client success rates, which we can measure, uh, would be three times more successful than an experienced coach. And that just tells you what is going on in digital coaching is just a new branch of coaching. And it took us basically 10 months of, running experiments, running a lot of coaches through different ways of coaching and then observing what worked and what didn't work to be able to come out and say, all right, this is what digital coaching is. This is how you have to approach it. And we can train you for it. We're, we're willing to train everyone. Uh, we give the certification for free. We grade the certification exam for free. We just really want to make sure that the, there are great digital coaches out there in the world. Um, and so that, that process of getting there, though, we were incredibly fortunate to have the, the original Lyft community because they're so generous and they were so up for trying to help each other that we could just, we've, we were able to run this, you know, I would call it a beautiful experiment of people helping each other and achieving all sorts of things that the original app never could. 
Now, I want to talk a little bit about Coach.me for teams. And it's Coach. I say Coach.me. Is that pretty much the way you'd want to say yeah. it? Yeah. Coach. I do say Coach.me. I mean, it is our URL. Yeah. And right. So we talked beforehand about Coach.me for teams, which I wanted to talk to you about it because it's like a brand new product that's in development. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I feel like what we can have is a debate about how you would set this up. Right. So let me get give you the backstory of it is a uh, friend of mine who runs a startup uh, had um, this may be a 90 person uh, startup came to me and said you know it would be great if your business coaches could coach our staff in you know leadership habits and leadership skills and like really you know top end professional skills um, we, you know we we have some executive coaches who serve the company, but they, you know, they can't serve everyone in the company. And executive coaching is like we kind of came to the conclusion: your executive coaching is completely backwards, right? Like I usually say, you don't get an executive coach until it's too late, right? right. It's like you're the CEO, you're in way over your head, and then you get a coach. It what wouldn't it be so much better if you could start being groomed for leadership? from your first day in office. And, uh, you know, when you're 22, let's start grooming you on how to be a person who can make a big impact in the company. Not just merely get your your job done, but, like, find the unsolved problems in the company and actually go out and solve them. And, you know, we think that's something we can coach in. And what we're then trying, what we're sort of defining are, what are the ideal professional skills and habits of future leaders? And I, I like I bet you have a ton of ideas about what that what might go into that. Oh, I mean, for, for example, um, you know, the old models of, of productivity and time management are so critical to be kind of abolished. When you go into a large organization, and you've probably seen this as well, right. where things are so... Uh, died in the wool and entrenched. Email management is a classic example. So, I mean, people will use like Outlook to manage their tasks until the, you know, and, and it's and clearly it, they don't get managed well because it's not that's not what it's designed for. So, to teach some kind of approach that's going to allow people to manage all those inputs that are coming our way, right. you know, right. I think that's a huge one, right? Well, you know, we, the way we've been pitching it lately is that we we provide a leadership menu. But there's five uh, topics that the coaches are able to coach. And when they coach it, they'll break that topic into an actual habit and then work through all of the, like, the skills around that habit. But one of the areas that we've done for everyone that's been interested so far is you know, efficient uh, – um, I, mean, I almost called it inbox management, but we're in a, uh, a world where people have multiple inboxes, right? So it's like for our early trial companies, it's you know efficient communication, you know managing of their inboxes is email, it's Slack, it's Pivotal, you know it's like we have a lot of those inboxes now. But having a system for how to process that that, that preserves maker time, gives you more time in the day, is actually effective and helps you be clear with the rest of the company. I mean that's a set of skills that you're not born with. Absolutely. And every company 
kind of has these different tools. So to have an approach that would help you would allow you to be, you know, and, and how you deal with other people as well is going to be critical. I, I noticed that when, when I'm go- going into organizations and talking to them about how they manage their tasks, and these are small companies as well as larger ones, um, even smaller companies are like, well, why would I, ma- why would I add Slack to the mix when I already have email? And then you have to kind of describe, okay, well, here's what Slack can do for you versus here's what email can do for you. So the understanding of what those inboxes can do for you if you leverage them appropriate are also important. What ends up happening, I mean, we're right at the beginning of this. I mm-hmm. mean, just to kind of finish the story is this friend asked for this. And I thought, oh, well, we could do it for you just because we're friends. But, you know, is this a real thing? Right. So I put it out to my community and, you know, is, would anyone else be interested and overnight, we have 100 companies signed up for it. Wow. And I was like, oh, actually, that's too many companies. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Um, but, you know, that I've been going through, kind of calling them one by one and setting them up as fast as we can. And um, it is, it, it's like, you know, the patterns are so consistent that people are struggling with their, the, just the communication overload and that's definitely a, a really common pattern. And that manifests in two ways. There's at this higher level, what strategically, like how should be people be thinking about things? And that's a discussion with upper management. And you want to bring the whole staff into that discussion. But definitely upper management needs to be involved in that at the strategic level. And then you have the, just the day-to-day of putting those, you know, putting those skills in place. And I, you know... I feel like as we develop it, I think about uh, when I was a programmer back in the day, every now and then someone, some company would release their career ladder. And it was like these really explicit skills that they wanted engineers in their company to know before moving up to the next grade. And they included like what book you should read and, you know, what accomplishments you should have had at work. And I just love that because I was so ambitious as a like twenty three year old that I had no idea you know where to put that ambition um, and so what's fun is to go into these companies and kind of defi- help define uh, you know what does that that career you know that skill roadmap look like um, what are the other areas that you uh, that you think would be important well I mean I think uh, <laughs> um, in terms of communication just you know um, just dealing with with growth scale. Um, I know in in my experience, and this is this is something that's happening to me right now. We we're talking before the call and how productivity is just growing pretty pretty in, pretty intently. Um, and I, you know, my my job was to be a man. My only management position before this was to be a manager at Costco, uh, which right. is which gave me a lot of skills. Make no mistake, right. but. It's a different. You're dealing with you know different folks, and I remember when I was being trained to become a manager. The the one leader said, he said, you know, you have all the skills to do it. We need to teach you those people skills. So that's another one, like the people skills, how to deal with making sure that your those soft skills that you can deal with the 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 people that are in your organization, both you know, let's say introverts and extroverts, so that you can leverage their skills and help them grow as well. I'm curious. You know, as I throw these out to you, whether you're just going to keep guessing the area, it's almost like Family Feud is what we're playing right now. So this is another one, bing, bing. Survey, um, survey says? Yes. <laughs> right now we're calling it Crucial Conversations. I, you know, sometimes the titling of these is a little bit hard, but it is absolutely 
the communication skills. Um, you know, young employees really struggle with empathy. I think a lot of times there's like a, the big, one of the biggest work lessons I ever learned was I was really complaining about some partner company we were working with and how the people that I work that work there seemed to be morons and nothing got done and you know yada yada I was like really frustrated with them and a, a much older coworker who I respected uh, came to me and said Tony you know it might be true you might be right but here's another way of looking at it and something that I found to be really helpful in my whole career which is just to realize nobody comes to work to do a bad job Mm -hmm. And so maybe they're not dumb. Maybe they're in a bad situation. Maybe they're overloaded. Maybe they're good at something else and they've been put in this role where they have no real expertise. There's a million things that could be going on, but almost guaranteed one of them is not they came to work to screw you. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, maybe they're in a bad position. Let me find out more about that. Let me see if I can be more helpful. And I just like, that is one of the most common things I've noticed as a manager when you're managing young people in a bigger organization is there's a lot of like frustration with other employees that gets very personal. And one of the big growth areas is just to really treat everyone as if they're trying to do a good work, good work but they might be in a bad situation. Because the situation is always addressable. Uh, whereas the... Um, you know the incompetence uh, or the like the um, hurt feelings are really hard to address so it is so like it starts there and then it just you know moves up into this kind of um, uh, anxiety about having difficult conversations and that's why there's a really popular book called crucial conversations and I've worked at companies that actually had this as a, a training that they made a lot of people go through it's like when, you know, at some point, you laugh at, at that you ever thought these were hard conversations, but most employees don't like to deliver bad news. So if I told you it's going to be done tomorrow, and I'm at one, it's one p.m. I'm halfway through my project, and I'm or I'm halfway through my day, and I'm realizing like, whoa, this is super complicated. This is like a week's worth of work. I'm not super excited to tell you that is not going to be done tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Even though, it's, it's, hey, it's like, it's just the truth, right? Right. Like, and you sh you deserve that heads up. It's the right thing to do. But, you know, like that, um, that, that kind of picking your head up out of the, out of the weeds of whatever you're working in and then having kind of a heads up uh, conversation that is tinged with this tiny bit of emotion until you're experienced at that, it blocks a lot of employees. So it just, you go on and on, you're right, there's a ton of uh, communication skills in there that, that can be taught, and they come up on a daily basis. So if you have a coach who's checking in with you every day, what ends up happening is you, have, is you catch these on the same day, and you're able to prep for them uh, and actually get them done, rather than, you know, I feel like the most most times when career development is done, it's like you took a class three months ago yeah. and then today you've got a crucial conversation. Those things do not connect. No. The same, you know, I use an executive coach. I meet with them once a week. I meet with them on a Tuesday, but if something comes up for me on a Friday, nothing he said is relevant to it. 
and I will have forgotten about it by the time I see him again on Tuesday. Right? And so in a lot of ways, this daily coaching, which is what happens on in digital coaching, even though it's much shorter and it's not face-to-face and it has all these sort of perceived limitations as compared to face-to-face, it actually it also has these incredible added strengths. And so, um, yeah, absolutely, it's one of the things we're excited about. Another one for me would be the the wellness factor, the balance factor. We, a lot of people, when they get started out with companies and they're in the, especially in the, I mean, I've spent enough time in San Francisco and in the startup world to kind of know that, you know, when you're starting things out, it's, it's you know, full full speed ahead. You know, even when I worked at Costco, I mean, honestly, we would, when we were opening up a new warehouse, it was like 18 hour days. Okay, let's uh, debate this one. Sure. It's on, it's on the list. Let me tell you the controversy about it. So right now in Silicon Valley, you know, which I include San Francisco where we're based, yeah. uh, there's a huge amount of entitlement in startup employees right now. Okay. And so I initially called this uh, work-life balance. And some people uh, in management have pushed back on this because they feel like, no, 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 this is not an invitation to go to the gym for three hours in the middle of the day. No, yeah. Right. Or, no, no, you know, right, this is not like, oh, you know. Yeah, I think it's more of a coping, like how to balance, like when you say balance, yeah. it's integration, right? Do you know right. what I mean? Like, like yeah. you and I both know that work, I mean, I'm a night owl. Work happens at night, even when people yeah. aren't, you know. I mean, so I think it's the integration. I don't like the term balance because I've never yeah. felt that, uh, I, I felt that that ship has sailed. And I don't even think it ever existed, to be honest. I think there's always been some member of identifier that, that you know, I mean, look at, it's funny. I've done some looking into this. Like the name Smith came from what you did. You know, your last names came from the vo- right. you know, the occupation that you had. Right. So I mean, frankly, that that is that's something to consider. So I think that work life integration is probably a little that's bit a, more a good way of putting it. Yeah. I have one other way that was really powerful that I heard in the last year. It was um, I saw Marissa Mayer speak. She's the CEO of Yahoo, mm-hmm. and she was describing this realization she had had about work life balance, where you know. She was talking to this one employee who like was up at 6 a.m. taking calls with one part of the world and then appeared to be taking calls with other people in the world at 10 p.m. And she was really worried that this person was going to burn out. And so she talked to her to this employee and said, you know, look, I'm worried for you. You know, is this the right work-life balance? You know, you're working a lot. And the person said, you know, it's an interesting question. You know, you're, you seem concerned about the, the time of days that I'm working, but that's not actually the thing is bothering me. What's sort of bothering me is that sometimes I miss my son's soccer game, which can be at like four or five p.m. I kind of I'm starting to resent that a little bit. And so the Marissa Mayer's like aha moment there was like, no, work-life balance is not X number of hours for work and Y number of hours for um, for home. It's about where are the resentments and making sure that. Some, that some trade-off you're making in life is not causing resentments. So this, then this was a big aha for me because I was like, I love to work. I want to work all the time, but I have a slight resentment that I've never taken a major road trip. Right. So last summer, uh, I convinced my partner, Sarah, to go on a working vacation with me where we rented a camper van and we took our dog and we drove to Yellowstone. And so we worked, we vacationed, we road tripped, and it completely fit into you know my summer. I was out of the office, but it it worked. It ended up working out fine. And I was like, oh well, there is a major life resentment that I just solved 
by thinking in terms of, you know, though, you know, thinking that way rather in terms of, well, how many, you know, how many vacation days will I allow myself in a year, right? And um, I know there's a lot of different ways to think about it, but I feel like, you know, just the core one is, like, as you were saying, that integration is, you know, like, you want to be healthy when you're at work, and in order to be healthy when you're at work, you have to have taken care of your life, but you can't take care of your life unless you're, if you're working all the time. And so to get those two things, you know, integrated in a way, in a fashion that works is kind of the key to being productive at work. But, you know, to also be very clear in that area of coaching, the end goal is that you are more productive at work. I mean, this is coaching for future leaders paid for by the company you work with. Okay, so you're like you've guessed a bunch of them. I've got one strike, but I'm gonna I'm gonna. No, no, this was this is on the list. <laughs> oh, what? No, okay, good. You're three for three. Three for so three. Far. Okay, so um, there's uh, two more. Oh boy, uh, I mean, I already mentioned scale. I think scale was a big scale. So, uh, gro- I guess growth management would that be? I guess that falls under uh, the same the same area. I feel like that's more of the traditional. Like growth management ends up being the traditional executive coaching. Okay, like you're you're going to have to give me a clue for the next one, then. It's probably staring me right in the face. I just can't think right. of it. When you're really young, you think you make a to-do list and you check off as much as possible. Yes. But then what's the big oh, realization? Pri- priorities. Priority management. Yes. Yeah. This is like, this is what... See, is I told the, you it was staring me right in the face. I mean... Yeah. I, <laughs> this is the number one one. And uh, this idea <laughs> no, that... No, ever, by the way, no pun intended. You said this is the number one one. It's yeah. priority management. I get it. Yes, it is. Um, that just that idea that everyone in the company knows what their top priority is for a day, and that you have a discussion every day about what it's going to take to get it done, and if you did get it done, did it matter? Right? Like this, you know. To go, I'm curious how you would define a leader in a company. Like we're very clear, leader does not mean manager. Right. Manager is a different thing. What we're talking about is developing leadership skills. Like, how do you think about that for your own staff and employees? Basically, when I look at it, and I think I'm I'm still because I've been away from it for so long um, in terms of dealing with a team. Because really, only in this past year, I've had a team again. But for me, I think it's it's creating an environment that allows for growth, not just for the company, but for the individuals so that either A, that, well, that they make the company stronger and, and that the foundation stronger, but also that they make themselves stronger so they can go forth and do better stuff as well. But for me, it's also about uh, making sure that I give them the tools and the, the resources that they need to do it without overwhelming them in the process. So I've seen a lot of times where people will come back to their bosses and say, you know, their boss keeps overloading them with work and then eventually they just don't have the courage to go up and say, hey, look, you've given me 15 things that need to be done right away. Which one is the one, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it. I look at it as, you know, I mean, it's it's about fostering and nurturing an environment that allows for growth, creativity, um, you know, um, achievement uh, with, you know, hard work, obviously, but with, with a clear sense of direction and purpose that everyone can kind of get behind and follow. I used to work for Tim O'Reilly, who's a, kind of a big name in tech, yep. and uh, he, he had a number of great uh, phrases come out at various all-hands meetings, and one of my favorites uh, was this observation he made about the company, which was, uh, if we see you treading water, we'll, we'll throw you two rocks. Right. And you know that is like definitely um, 
I, that's a common dynamic at a lot of companies is that uh, if you're doing well, you get more responsibility piled on you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the reward for good work is more work, and um, and then bad work, people just sort of ignore you while you collect your paycheck. Um, so uh, yeah, I, you know, the thing as we interview companies as we start launching it, everyone uses different language, but they basically, I think, all mean the same thing. They say, you know, like, as we train these skills, can we also train these kind of, these, you know, meta goals of creativity, tenacity, uh, innovation, uh, entrepreneurship, um, a couple other words that people sometimes use. I feel like it, it, like, they all kind of mean the same thing, Mm -hmm. that there's, a way that you worked in school, which is you were told what the homework assignment was and then you completed it. Right. And it was very time oriented too. Yes. Task, tasks weren't, I mean, I've talked about this before is that when, when you're a young kid, you're, you, you're focused on the task. You don't care what time it is because you can't tell time. Uh, yeah. You know, but once we get into school, so we swerve completely in the other direction where, yeah. you know, my daughter can't even finish lunch at school half the time because she's forced outside before. So everyone <laughs> works a little bit differently. Right. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. And then you move to the, you move to the company and there's still a lot of that task based work. Uh, it does exist. But the people who get too comfortable waiting to be told what to do, they miss these opportunities and end up, I think, like I notice that they end up frustrating their managers a lot, um, but uh, when it's like, no, like the real important work inside of a company is the opposite. You're not told what to do. You're told what the problem is, and then you tell everyone else uh, how you're going to solve it and when it's going to get done. It's like just the complete reverse of how you've been trained your whole life, and I feel like most people are not even aware of that, um, that change in, uh, in that change in mindset. And, uh, so it's, it's almost like, um, the matrix, like the managers and leaders in the company are the people that just one day woke up and said, Whoa, actually work is completely different than I thought it was. Let me try and, you know, find, you know, be the problem solver here. And, um, and, so like one reason I'm excited to bring coaching into the entire staff is like they they shouldn't have to figure this out on their own. They should just be told, no, this is actually where the heavy you know the heavy hitters are, and um, the uh, and here's how to do it. And you you know it's it's completely trainable. And maybe some people still aren't going to want to, and that's fine. They don't have to. Uh, but a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, that makes sense. And, um, uh, I don't know, I, it, it should be, it could be really exciting. And I feel like it starts with what's your priority. Right. Knowing your priority lets you then start examining your priority. And, you know, one of the things that happens in startups all the time is people will say, well, you know, I, I, the feature is launched. And, uh, that's a very task-based mindset. Uh, but the real question is, did anyone like the feature? Right. right? Who has responsibility for that? And um, if if you don't let the person building the feature have responsibility for it, then you create this huge roadblock. You know where they're constantly waiting for feedback from the managers. Um, 
Whereas you just flip it and say, like, all right, you put out this feature. How, how are people reacting to it? Is it getting the effect that you're wanting? Almost invariably, you put it out, and it turns out you were wrong in some major way. And uh, so, like, my team works pretty well this way. And I, like, I had a great experience where we built a big feature for coaches. It wasn't actually that hard to build, but um, they've been asking for it, and it was going to be a really important feature. Um, we built it. I, Alicia, who built it, started at like 8 a.m., uh, uh, launched at 11 a.m., so super rapid turnaround. Uh, we showed it to the coaches uh, immediately, got feedback from them uh, for about an hour, and, uh, and then it was really harsh feedback. And then we rebuilt it and relaunched it again at 3 p.m. Right? So it, there was not a lot of programming in order to do that. Uh, but if you think about that in calendar time, because Alicia has access to good feedback from the actual customer, and because she has complete authority and autonomy, uh, both to be wrong and to make adjustments, that she could do this whole thing in one day of calendar time, whereas in a traditional organization, you would research it, you would plan it, you would pass it off to engineering, you would build it, you would launch it, you would pass it back to the person who initially researched it, they would research the reaction, they would pass it back to engineering with changes, Engineering would say, well, I moved on to a new project, so I'll get back to this in two weeks. And a month later, you'd get through that entire iteration cycle. Now, I'm going to guess on the fifth one. Is it information management? Is like understanding all the information that's coming at you? Is that is that? I guess that's for inbox management. Though, yeah, we would it? love that under inbox. Um, so you got to give me the last one because I got pretty good at guessing. So we're, before we wrap up. really good. So. Uh, I'm like so psyched that you were able to guess these so easily, right? Because <laughs> like... You know, I, for me, you know, the, just sort of the process of building a startup is like you have a plan for how it's going to work, but you also want some good luck along the way. And I feel like this was our good luck. We just stumbled into it and it was like, and it fits so well with what we're doing, but it also was like everyone wanted it. Like we have not talked to anyone that didn't want it and they all wanted essentially the same things. Um, and you're just reaffirming that by guessing uh, like everything on the list. The last one was meetings. Mm. Um, and uh, this one has had a little bit of flex. Like, actually, Medium is not that interested because they, you know, because of Holacracy, their whole company is filled with amazing meeting facilitators. Um, but your tradi traditional company runs a lot of meetings, uh, too many meetings that are all poorly run. No agenda, no preparation, no uh, action items, no goals for the meeting, too many, the wrong people are invited, uh, uh, no way of, um, uh, no good systems for brainstorming, no good systems on coming to conclusions. Right? Like I, I got a chance to tour the main IDEO headquarters once. And I just love that every meeting room had written on the walls the rules for facilitation because everyone right. there like, recognizes that creativity does not come from genius, it comes from process. And they have really trained everyone on a process that generates lots of ideas, and then from those ideas, they're able to do things that look to the outside world like they're there's genius behind them. No, it's actually behind the scenes, it's process. Um, so there's often a lot to do there, and um, especially for 
uh, you know, up and coming leaders, how you prepare and behave in a meeting, it, uh, it draws on a lot of communication skills. It draws on, um, uh, this is a lot of meeting facilitation techniques. And as you learn those, you, you just actually, you start to go to meetings and you're the leader, right? Um, not because you are the loudest, right? Like a lot of people try and shout down the rest of the meeting and that's how they try to lead and those people are terrible. Uh, but actually like thoughtful, well-facilitated meetings ends up, uh, you know, making you, um, you know, really seem like a really influential and high-impact uh, person at your company. Yeah, it's fun. John Polster, who edits the podcast, he is huge into meetings, and he facilitates meetings at his organization. And he is he, he's, he's fascinated by the, the, the not just the, the, the idea of making better meetings, but just the, fa- the fact that so many meetings are so poorly run. Um, and, and that definitely is a huge pain point. I probably, again, staring me right in the face. I probably should have guessed that one too. But I mean, for, for the high pressure situation that we're in recording this podcast live, uh, I feel like four out of five is pretty freaking amazing. Um, <laughs> so Tony, we should probably get ready to wrap yeah. up here, but I want to, uh, so where, so coach me for coach.me for teams is basically, uh, it's still, it's, it's in its infancy at this point. Right. And we're ready for companies to sign up and you know, the CEO doesn't need to, uh, be involved in this is like any manager basically with any sort of budget. Um, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, go to our, our homepage, and it's one of the main links there. You can get on the waiting list, and you know we'll get to you pretty soon. Um, you know, now that we have it up and running a little bit, it's pretty clear how we're going to be able to get it to everyone. And um, so that is that. I, that is probably you know one of the the calls to action for listeners. The other would just be to you know personal uh, self improvement. Uh, Coached on me. That is our, our main bag, and uh, we'd love for you to try our app. And all that stuff is available from the website Coached on Me. And then, randomly, do you think that any of your listeners would make good coaches? Um, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I mean, the thing because of Coached on Me for Teams, we now uh, basically have an unlimited demand for business coaches. And what we think you need to bring to the table beforehand is. Um, a desire, uh, and uh, some personal expertise. We don't think you need any sort of woo-woo coaching certification. We'll teach you a, a coaching methodology that works uh, for online, and uh, then you're sort of this advisor slash coach. And uh, honestly, there's no end of demand for that as far as we can see. And uh, so if anyone is interested in that, the, uh, you do get paid, but the pitch I would give you is that it's much more about the feeling you get from helping other people. I mean, I'm shocked how many of our top coaches are C-level people with full-time jobs. And uh, so I don't know, you know, I know personally... Like I started this company because I felt that desire to pay it forward so strongly, and I think there's other people out there like that. Um, you know, our top, 
the coach, the first coach that we put out for Coach Teams is a, uh, or Coach Me for Teams was a, a CTO for a tech startup in Boston. Um, the second coach is a CEO of a 250-person uh, resort down in Texas. I mean, just like a wide range of really high-level people who um, you know want to mentor mentor people. So uh, I'm sure you have a ton of listeners like that. And uh, again. Like there's only you know just coach go to coach me and you'll be able to figure all that stuff out. Well, and the Patreon supporters of the podcast who love to offer uh, you know kind of their own remuneration to help me out in their patronage, they're already giving. So I mean, what other way? What better way to give than to take some of the stuff that they've either learned you know from me or from whoever and to apply or whatever their area of expertise is. I mean, I've, I've been getting the, the emails from me for a while and there's so many varied options there too. So check, check out uh, coach.me and uh, Tony, thanks again for, for joining me this week on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Mike, a pleasure. It was super fun to hash this out together because yeah, just super fun. And I feel honored that you would have me on a second time. Uh, so thank you. Thanks to Tony for joining me this week on the podcast. I really had a great time chatting with him. We've had some really great interviews and some great conversations over the past few weeks, and I aim to keep that going. And what you can do to help me with that isn't just, you know, give me some ratings and reviews in iTunes. So that's really helpful. But also to lend your support to the show if you can in a monetary way. You can become a supporter of the podcast. Get the entire interview. There's about anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes depending on the episode of additional content plus two bonus episodes every single week exclusive to Patreon supporters. Just go to patreon.com slash productivityist and you can level up your productivityist podcast experience there. Uh, that's all I have for today. I want you to take some of the stuff you learned today and start to apply it either just to yourself or to your team if you have that capability or you've got that, that flexibility to do so. Until I see you next week or until you hear from me next week, stop guessing, start going, and keep moving things forward. Take care. Take care.